In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. We are coming to the end of the Christian year. Next week we will celebrate the Feast of Christ the King, and then we will begin Advent, a new church year that brings us back to the beginning. When I teach children about the church year, I use a long piece of rope. I begin by telling them that some people understand time as a line. This is time as a line. This is the newest part, just being born. And now, this part is older, and this is the newest part. I wonder how long time goes. There, it ended. The beginning is old, and the ending is new. So we have a beginning that's like an ending, and an ending that's like a beginning. And you know what the church did? The church tied the beginning that's like an ending and the ending that's like a beginning together. So that we would always know that for every beginning there is an ending, and for every ending there is a beginning. The church understands time as a circle. And now you children of all ages know something new about the church here. <laughs> This understanding of beginnings melding into endings and endings giving way to beginnings is reflected in our reading from Isaiah. The journey of God's people has followed this pattern, new things giving way to old things and old things giving way to new. And this ebb and flow has brought both suffering and joy. Israel was brought out of slavery in Egypt, but their joy quickly gave way to suffering as they wandered in the desert for years, never able to put down roots and relying on God's daily provision for sustenance. Israel then knew the joy of coming into the land that God had prepared for them, only to find suffering in the constant wars that they fought with others who occupied the land. They knew the joy of their first kings who united them and gave them a period of stability and prosperity only to know the pain of a divided kingdom that was increasingly under attack by bigger realms from the east. They knew the pain of exile, of being forcibly removed from their own land and marched to Babylon. And they knew the joy of the second exodus when Persian King Cyrus conquered Babylon and allowed the Jews to return to their precious homeland. But years after they returned, Jerusalem remains in ruins, and the charred ashes of the temple lay before them as a reminder of their former shame. A hundred years later, there is still no king and no kingdom. Those who have returned from exile and those who remained in the land are still struggling to become one people. Bitterness and cynicism have enveloped the people. Into this reality, Isaiah speaks, giving us one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. God is creating a new heavens and a new earth. He will create Jerusalem as a joy and will take great delight in her. All that has prevented creation from being what God intended will be removed. These things that you have endured will be set so far from you that you won't even recall your pain and suffering. 
On God's holy mountain, there will be no weeping or cries of distress. Children will survive through childhood and will live to be at least 100 years old. You will have stability, living in the homes you have built and eating from the vines you have planted. You'll find fulfillment in your work, which will be done on your own behalf and not on behalf of others. Those who have fought each other who have been enemies will lie together in harmony. The curse of the fall of humanity in the garden will be reversed, and it will be as it was when you walked intimately with God. God will hear you before you speak and answer before you call. Isaiah says, yes, you have known suffering, but you will know joy. This is the pendulum of the Christian life, isn't it? On the one hand, there is the promise that if we are faithful, if we hold true, if we just believe and surrender our lives to God, that we will have joy beyond all measure. On the other hand is the promise that if we are faithful, if we hold true, if we just believe and surrender our lives to God, then we will go through real suffering on account of our faith. How do we live in the tension between these two places? We heed the words of Isaiah. The end will be a new beginning. The suffering that is an inescapable part of life will be healed in a return to the beginning, the way God intended it to be before everything went terribly wrong. As we heard, suffering has been part of the story of God's people since the beginning. And so it is part of our Christian history. Yet we modern Christians tend to emphasize the joy without suffering. We emphasize resurrection, but not crucifixion. We are all about Easter Sunday, and not so much about Good Friday. It's especially hard for those of us who live in such an affluent place and time. Christians in developing countries still understand suffering. It is part of their constant reality. Their children die young from disease and malnutrition. Women are brutally victimized by those who view them as less than fully human. Homes and communities are devastated by turf battles and violence. Most of us live very far from that daily reality. More and more in our modern churches, there's an implied message that if we come to Jesus, all suffering will end. We will be thinner, healthier, prettier. We'll have shinier hair, whiter teeth, fresher breath, and be wildly successful. We foster this belief by avoiding talk of suffering, by focusing on those who are attractive and seem to have no problems. We've even tried to take the suffering out of death. Back in the day, people died at home. Friends and family went to the house. They sat with the body. They allowed loved ones to speak of their grief. Today we have arranged end of life so that we have to engage it, to deal with it as little as possible. The body is taken from the hospital to the funeral home where very often it is never viewed again. We don't sit with one another in our grief. 
because we have spent so much energy trying to eliminate suffering from our lives, we have lost the ability to hold our pain. More than this, we've convinced ourselves that there should be no suffering and pain. So when it slaps us in the face, we are unprepared to deal with it. We lack the depth of experience and understanding to walk through it. Instead, being unable to hold it and let it work its way through us, we transmit it to others. We sit on our horns and yell diatribes and even physically accost those who wrong us on the roads. We yell at and hurt the people we love. We self-protectively distance ourselves behind our technology. We take our relational balls and go home. All because we have become a people of God who has forgotten that suffering is part of our identity. I would go so far as to say suffering is part of our call. It is how we live in solidarity with the pain and hurting of our broken world. As Christians, we cannot avoid times of suffering. The promise of Jesus is not that we will never suffer. The promise of Jesus is that He will be with us in our suffering. And the promise of Jesus, like the promise of Isaiah, is that our suffering will end. The disasters that we see in the world about us every day, like tornadoes in our backyard, wildfires in California, flooding in the southeast, and all manner of calamities in places around the world, these will not determine the future of God's creation. Neither terrorist activity nor the exercise of military power will hold sway in God's order of things. The suffering that all these things bring, as well as those that seem to come by chance in illness and accident, will pass away. All that is evil will be seen for what it is, and all that is hurtful will be banished. God will anticipate our every need before we speak, and all will dwell in peace and unity. At the end of all things, what God seeks is joy. There will come a time when God will create a new heaven and a new earth within you and within me, and our former suffering and pain will not be remembered. So let us lift our eyes and hear this message of Isaiah. God is doing a new thing that returns us to the beginning where the pendulum will no longer swing back and forth, back and forth between joy and suffering, but will remain fixed in joy, joy, joy. Amen.